It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Shaquille O'Neal. Do you ever scream at your printer, call it naughty names, or hurl empty ink cartridges across the room? You likely suffer from cartridge conniptions caused by ink cartridges constantly running out of ink. Thankfully, the Epson EcoTank printer is the perfect cure. It's cartridge-free, conniption-free, prescription-free, with big ink tanks and a ridiculous amount of ink. So you can finally kiss expensive cartridges goodbye. The Epson Eco Tank, just fill and chill. Available at Office Depot and Staples. And six day, God gave us Ange. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by Lawrence Conley and Declan McConville. What's your reaction, guys? I'll come to you first, Declan. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of glad we've eventually appointed a manager. Um, it's been a a long haul. We've went down and up, but uh, we've eventually got our man. I've seen him do a Celtic interview and uh, yeah, I'm intrigued about what the future holds for Ange Postacoglu. Intrigue. What about yourself, Lawrence? I mean, we have followed this step by step, blow by blow, you could say, uh, because there's been a few blows along the way. How are you feeling this morning? There was a sense of inevitability when the video dropped on the Celtic website. We kind of knew it was coming. Now that it's here, what's your thoughts? It's... Uh probably higher risk than any of us expected probably just because we're le- less comfortable with it we don't know a lot about the guy you know what what out, is out there in YouTube looks good but then again how many players have we said that about but it was kind of getting to the stage where I just didn't give a 4x mate we needed to get somebody in and uh, you know we've got him in he should have enough time to prepare us for the Champions League qualifier and you know if we qualify for the Champions League you know it's would look like we would have a decent manager because it's something that you know a few few of the recent lauded managers have failed to do. You're going to have to explain the Castlemine Forex reference to Declan. He's a young man who won't remember the adverts, Lawrence. No, oh, Declan, yeah, I can see the pub from here. <laughs> you, you know, 
He's looking <laughs> blankly. He's looking blankly. Those trendy West End bars that Declan goes to, I don't think they sell Castlemine Forex. Now, when we look at the appointment, um, this is a direct result, is it not, Declan, of the downfall of the Heady, the Eddie Howe deal. We can't ignore that. Celtic are in a position today, um, or when the serious negotiations started with Ange Postecoglou, and we were only in that position due to the fact that we'd gone so far down the line with Eddie Howe that during that period of time, with the eggs in the Eddie Howe basket, um, or as Russell Boyce might say, being on that Eddie Howe bus, some of the other targets had found jobs elsewhere. Um, and I said yesterday on the, the broadcast, Postacoglu may well have been one of the candidates all along, but he's certainly not the first, is he even the second? Um, how much of that has taken the sting out of today's announcement or the joy, any joy you might have had out of today's announcement, the disappointment of the Eddie Howe deal collapsing just a couple of weeks back? Yeah, I think the whole circumstances surrounding the whole deal, Paul's been a whirlwind, you know, um, we we expected to get Eddie Howe obviously in and then the, the statement came that'll be two weeks past uh, tomorrow the statement came that the deal had collapsed we basically made it clear that that was the candidate that we wanted to have and it, it didn't work out um, club made it very clear to, to you know, journalists and whatnot that we'd basically give him a, a blank slate and it was up to him and didn't want to come and basically the two parties walked away from the deal um, which again made us all ask questions and you know I said on here last week that if we were so dar- so far down the line with another candidate, why is it taking two weeks after? I know there's been visas and uh, compensation to sort out, but um, yeah, it probably has taken a sting out of it for a lot of us. It's more a sigh of relief rather than excitement, but it's just a case of getting our heads down now, getting back to Boch and hopefully Celtic come back to training and then getting those pre-season friendlies underway in Champions League um, it'll be quick from now on in probably so it'll be interesting to see who departs who comes in the door and if there's any other changes made at the club Lawrence on that point um, and you know I've already had a few text messages and, and some of the comments I'm sure will come through saying stop being so negative Paul um, but on that point you, you can't forget the fact that we're here and we're here 106 days down the line because our first target didn't work out. Um, is it going to be a case, Lawrence, do you feel that no matter what happens it's always going to be the what if? You know, Eddie Howe would have given us this, Eddie Howe would have given us that. There was an element of that I felt after Brennan Rodgers left. You know, no matter what Neil Lennon did, we were always going to be thinking about the outgoing gaffer or the gaffer we didn't get. there's going to be an element of that but it's not 106 days because our first target didn't work out it's 106 days because the board was shambolic and the negotiations are contracts with how they should have had them tied in a contract they said look with a memorandum of understanding it wasn't good enough mate they should have been had a piece of paper in front of them going look you don't want to start the June that's fine you've got two weeks to sign the contract if not we move on instead everything was left up in the air we didn't tie the man down and we're left looking particularly foolish, mate, as a football club. So that's why it got 106 days, because of the mismanagement of the board of it, or whoever mm. was negotiating this contract deal was behind, mate. Not because how it didn't work out. That could have been buttoned down within a month, mate. You know, it should have been. So, yeah, and, you know, it, it is going to be what if elements of it, but if we'd buttoned that, that down quicker and moved on quicker, you know, we'd probably all be feeling a bit better about it. Well, you, you said that we're looking a bit foolish. I think when you're looking at... Um the managerial merry-go-round Declan it's already started not just in Scotland but down south and how quickly clubs are acting on the loss of a manager and they're getting other managers in fairly quickly of a high calibre it's got to be said um, we have described ourselves as a football club today um, as world class right so do you agree with Lawrence in respect of the fact that this whole process um, is probably contributing to some of the lukewarm reactions that we've been getting today on the arrival of Postacoglu? Yeah, I definitely do agree with Lawrence on that. I mean, you know, I totally agree with the point that if we saw any type of doubt and the fact that we didn't get anything contractually signed by Eddie Howe, we should have walked away from the deal. I think that's as clear in the day to anybody. Um you know, but we've got a big season coming up here. We've had an absolute catastrophic disaster this season and we needed to move on. And it's taken this long because 
of our, you know, our slowness to a point and just hanging on, hanging on, hanging on until the point eventually came where we appeared to say, are you going to take this job or not? Which is something that probably should have happened months ago because, you know, we've had months to know this wasn't going to work out and that we needed to get a new man in. Um, so, yeah, but again, you know, on that, Spurs are another football club that probably described themselves as that. And I've taken over 50 days to appoint a manager they probably will do it imminently. Don't know who they'll go for. Um, but, yeah, totally down to bad mismanagement by the board and not appointing somebody quickly and not not quickly. I don't mean that as in terms of just first man, but in terms of if you want your candidate, get something contractual, get something down in paper and get an agreement made, not verbally, something contractually. And it's why it's taking so long to get to this point. We probably could have had Postacol glue done months ago. Um, if we had walked away from the how deal but we are where we are and I think it's just a case of trying to pick ourselves up being a bit more positive and, and moving forward into those pre-season friendlies Champions League qualifiers and hopefully getting some players in the door I'm keen today of all days uh, Declan and Lawrence to get as many comments um, up on the screen and as parts of the discussion as possible so thanks everybody for getting involved on YouTube, Facebook and on Twitter first up Magnet67 positive thoughts today team Dom clearly talking about change throughout and modernisation I'm on the Ange Dom bus Um, it was good I've got to say Lawrence to hear from the incoming CEO Dominic Mackay Um, very positive and everything that he said and you would take from that interview and the interview from Postecoglou that Dominic Mackay has certainly been part of the negotiations with the incoming gaffer yeah definitely listen it was fresh he seemed more skilled uh, at communication than anyone we've had at the club in a long time uh, let's see if he delivers mate but you know it's a good it's a good start I think from him uh, you know he's been You've touched on it on the show before. He's been phoning up individual season bit holders. So it definitely looks if we're going in the right way. Ian just said, you know, he sat down with Dom. He spoke, he shared a common vision, which is something we've spoke about, you know, last season. We need everyone at the club to share a common vision and a common goal, not to be kind of not getting on and, and fighting against each other. So, yeah, it, listen, everyone's going to be, be behind Ange and Dom. It's... Uh, Let's hope it's still the case by December, you know, that they've, if not top of the league, but at least we can see there's progress, you know, that the, the team's playing well. We've got a defined style as a club again. You know, we're bleeding youngsters into the team. Mm. So, you know, it's, it should be exciting times, as Mr. Stacken says. The one well, with, it- without the laptop. The one without the laptop, yes, the senior. Brian Watt comes in to say a new beginning has happened today. Uh, Gerald McEwen, good luck, Aussie Ange. Got a feeling you're going to need it. Hail, hail. Uh, Michael Cunningham, best of luck to the new gaffer. It's up to the board now to back their guy. I'm going to come to Declan in just a second in relation to that. The dude abide reminds us that we need to now look at a director of football. And Patrick Murphy, I hope he's given the environment to succeed. This goes on to what Lawrence was saying, Declan. His own staff having a same recruitment good budget would show this I'm underwhelmed but we'll give him a chance good luck Ange you'll need it Uh, what Lawrence was saying there Declan um, I think a lot of Celtic fans are saying exactly the same it it really now comes down to the fact that the environment has to be right for any manager to succeed not just Ange Postacoglu coming in with um, you know a a calibre outside the European football which seems to be an issue for quite a lot of people I'm going to touch on that as well Declan but it's about the environment it's about the modern Organisation of this football club, um, and also it's about uh, opening up the lines of communication again. So today, let's look at some of the positives. Dominic Mackay, what did you make of his first address to the public address to the Celtic support? Yeah, I thought it was very positive. It was obviously the kind of usual PR scripted interview that we get from Celtic with Jeremy Cullock doing interviewing and him responding to um, his questions. But yeah, I thought he spoke well. I thought at the fans forum meeting a few weeks ago that we both attended that it was refreshing to hear the word modernisation come up. It's clear that we're probably um, that phrase that, that Tony used that possibly an analogue club living in a digital age that we need to kind of pull ourselves forward a wee bit. Hopefully he's the man to do that. Um, but yeah, I think the environment does need to be right. I think we need to take a step forward. We need to start to act in a lot more professional manner in terms of the way that we, we treat our, our fans and even just how we, we do our business. Um, I would hope that if Postacoglu had specific targets, that the club 
do everything they can to try and get those targets and we don't have more what-ifs that we've been having for the past uh, five or so years in terms of probably before that actually can go way back and in terms of transfer targets don't end up coming to the club so yeah uh, the environment does need to be right but I hope that you know Postacoglu and Dominic McKay can hopefully take us forward and um, bring about that that change in modernisation of the club Now a couple of interesting points Graham Cowden comes in uh, on YouTube and I, I know that every point that's came up so far has come in through YouTube that that is not deliberate it's just that far more people watch on YouTube therefore far more many comments come in on that particular channel but we will get some of the Twitter and Facebook viewers involved as well Graham Cowden says Ange was the right sort of appointment if we had just won the 10 it's not a huge gamble now let's put it up in two Two different parts then, Lawrence. Had we just won the 10, I think the reaction would be completely different to a, an announcement and an appointment like Ange Postacoglu. But I do think it's a, a huge gamble, personally. I think it's a, and I said earlier on today, I think it's a £60 million gamble because whoever wins the Scottish League next season has got a much easier route into the Champions League riches. They don't have the qualifiers to contend with. So, you know, I think that is a massive concern. Are we right to have that concern, Lawrence Conley? Yeah, listen, we'd have been concerned with any manager coming in, but I suppose it's all about perspective. You'd have been on the higher down 10 in a row, you know, whereas we're now kind of looking at back at how did things go wrong? You know, we now need to regain a crown. So it's about perspective, yeah. Would it have been any easier spell itself with one to 10? Definitely, because we probably would have been more confidence in the board and the people running the club, you know, if they delivered the 10 and hadn't been so shambolic over the past 12 months. Mm. Listen, Ange's his reputation is another Tony Haggerty saying, isn't it? It's rip rolling, never boring, free scoring football. So if he does bring that to Celtic Park, there's not going to be many complaints, is there? Well, probably. Um, now, what I've, I've got here is I, I think, Declan, that. The Celtic support and the disclaimer with a wee asterisk down the bottom of the page, I do not speak for the entire support of Celtic Football Club. The Celtic support, I think we're expecting um, a, a big response from the Celtic board after last season's um, shambles. I mean, what else can you say about last season? Um, and Lawrence was saying there that, you know, if, if we get a return to this uh, style of football or a football philosophy, which we'll touch on later on in the show, a lot of Celtic fans will be happy. Do you think they will? Because I, I've been thinking back to a lot of the appointments we've made. I remember Martin O'Neill coming in and you remember on the steps at Celtic Park, he spoke about, uh, he didn't speak about playing fast, free-flowing, attacking, entertaining football. I remember Tony Mowbray speaking like that. So there's a balance here. What do you want? Uh, it's been nice to have both, but surely winning's more important than anything else. Yeah, we want success and we want trophies back in the, the, the trophy room at Celtic Park. Um, it's always good for teams to play the Celtic way, but you know we, we want to bring success back to the club. It's a golden ticket this season coming up to, if you win the league, you get into the Champions League um, and a free pass, which, you know, it's very difficult to get into the Champions League, as we know, we've failed on it for the past... Uh, this week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
two seasons we've not heard Champions League music at Celtic Park since uh, December 2017 I think is correct so uh, yeah it's a golden ticket this season so I think it's imperative that we obviously win the league this season mm-hmm. um, and from there on afterwards you know but there'll be a lot of different factors that'll play into it I thought it was interesting in Post the Coglu's interview when he spoke about youth and saying that age was not an issue um, it'll be interesting to see whether he delivers on that but um, certainly there's a big golden ticket for us and there's a big carrot dangling uh, we're winning the league this year which needs to be our, our main focus and objective to do so we will talk uh, about some of the doubts that are coming in from across the fan base, Lawrence, in relation to the backroom team, for example, in relation to John Kennedy, Gavin Strachan, perhaps being part of that team. But let's talk about the nature of the appointment. Uh, there's no such thing in football as a safe bet. There absolutely is not a safe bet. But in the last couple of weeks, uh, quite a lot of Celtic fans and uh, the contributors to Axholm have spoken about getting a safe pair of hands in uh, to do the job. I've heard Steve Clark's name being mentioned and others. Um, who do you think Lawrence should have been approached? I mean, there's plenty of managers available. We know that quite a few of them have already been interviewed for this position. Um, but, you know, some Celtic fans are looking even down south. If we class ourselves as one of, uh, we class this job as one of the biggest jobs in world football. That was what was in the statement today. This is one of the biggest jobs in world football. Then surely we should be going for a name of renown when it comes to the uh, European football landscape that we operate in. Uh, loads of names coming out. Are we being um, maybe too optimistic to think that we could have been bargaining for someone like Lucien Favre, for example, who has got pedigree in Switzerland, France, Germany? Or are we being a Euro snob? which was what Jared called it last week when people outside of the European football bubble don't think that there's talent elsewhere. I think what we're trying to do is pick a coach whose best days are ahead of him rather than behind him. So, probably, you know, I'd have thought, yeah, it's somebody we should have spoken to. I know Massimo Milano, Allegri is away back to Juve, a rumour to go back to Juve, but he was someone else we could have spoken to. But I think the club's... There's got to be a realisation a lot that the big managers want big budgets and we only have so much money to spend. And I, I think with this, it is a definite case of going, can we get a manager that whose best days are in front of him? And that's probably why they've went for Posta Coglu. Uh, as much as his own man, I think it'll be easier to control and work within budgets yeah. rather than, uh, you know, if we went for Benitez, how much money would he really want to spend on his backroom staff, let alone on his signs so it's kind of hard gig you know to say that we're one of the best in world football which we're going for the top manager there's a lot comes with that isn't there you know, there the is the backroom staff yeah. the level of wages the backroom staff expect before we even start, start talking about signs in the football team I mean, as much as I suppose Brendan was successful here he did up a lot of the, the wages of the first teamers you know I, th- I think what mm. Tom Rogic's on about 20 grand a week or something you're going are we getting 20 grand up both of them, so sometimes it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? You've, yeah. You know, and I think with Costa Coglu, it's, for me, it's exciting times, and hopefully for most of the Celtic support. He's got a reputation of winning things, which, you know, no one's going to complain about if he keeps that up. Fast-flowing attacking football, we're not going to complain about that. Developing youth, we're not going to complain about that. Maybe Jared's right, maybe we are just being uh, Euro snobs. The big thing is it's, I don't know a lot about Japanese football other than Nakamura and Mizuno. Uh, Aussie football, I know even less about. Uh, you, you, you know, so you've got McDonald and Rodic, but when big Marco Viduka or Mark Viduka, yeah. So it's, it's, I suppose, a wee bit theory. Don't don't forget Daniel Arzani. Oh, Arzani, of course, but sorry, I thought he was still injured. <laughs> <laughs> he he probably injured. is. He probably is. But on that point, on that point, and by the way, when Jared said it, I thought. I'm probably suffering a bit from that myself, so it was a good point, and that's why I've kind of raised it with you, Lawrence, uh, because I don't want to turn my nose up at any, um, you know, nation of of uh, footballers. I mean, that, that's a sweeping statement to say Japanese football is no good, Australian football is no good. But I was looking this morning, and this was a name that obviously it's a it's a guy who's worked with Postigoglu in the past. We know he's not going to be part of the backroom team, but Kevin Muscat done pretty well in the A League. He won a double 
in the A-League. Um, he then works with the Australian national side with Poster Coglu and because of his success he ended up getting a job in European football in Belgium. He lasted 15 games. 15 games is all he lasted, Declan. Um, so if you're trying to, to gauge levels, if you like, of uh, a manager coming in from a specific football environment um, and coming to European football, that's one thing. But you can ramp that up uh, a few levels further when it's Glasgow, the Goldfish Bowl, and the situation Celtic are in. Uh, we've heard uh, quite a bit about his temperament. How well suited do you think Declan McConville that the new man's going to be to um, the environment he's going to be operating in this season? Yeah, I, I think on that point, Paul, um, Pedro Cazinha, obviously, keep it Glasgow, didn't work out, but they went and won a league championship in Mexico. So I think it also depends on what environment, again, you're, you're coming in and what kind of position the football club and what they're willing to give you. So, you know, that comes into play. We probably are Euro snobs, I probably admit to that, that you know, in terms of Australian and Japanese football, I don't know anything about really, apart from maybe watching the national sides at World Cups. So I don't know a lot about them. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, 55-year-old man, um, he's obviously handled the, the, the pressure of the Australian national team well. He's handled the pressure of a World Cup tournament well. I remember that Holland and Australia, uh, Holland and Australia game, 3-2 game, one of the one of probably the best games at a World Cup that I've watched. So um, he's been there on a big stage. He's handled it. Um, as I say, he's an experienced man. And I just hope his, his temperament carries through. You know, we already have, have heard and read that he's got a bit of a, um, a character about him when it comes to journalists, which you'll probably need in Scotland. So uh, I just hope that that will stand him in good stead. And, you know, Gordon Strachan always used to say, you're one draw away from a disaster at Celtic. Um, hopefully... You know, hopefully the draws and losses are few and far between. But if uh, there is any that it doesn't, you know, go in the back foot from there, it just continues to hopefully implement his philosophy and continue to take us forward. Some more comments coming in. Uh, Hypo543, Ange jumped at the job. It's the first European job he's been offered. He must be good. Um, and we have CNNRM. Undeniably, the man has a mammoth task at hand. He's already at a disadvantage. 100% needs backing. And here's one. Uh, Robert Scullion comes in to ask, is it any more of a risk than giving it twice to Neil Lennon? Now, I take the point because, I mean, we're looking at a season last season that was dreadful. It was dreadful from a Celtic perspective. In many, many ways it was dreadful. I mean, it got to the point where it wasn't just disagreements that Celtic fans were having with each other. Um, there was divisions in amongst the Celtic support and I don't like seeing that, but it did happen. And I think a big part of that was the frustration in not actually being at the games and not being able to vent and, you know, speak on the way to the games, coming home and the boozers down the Gallagate, whatever you do on match day. Um, and... You know, that basically uh, came, I, I think, at a cost. Uh, and the cost is that there's a lot of divisions and I'm hoping that once we get back to Celtic Park that that will dissipate. Um, another good point coming in. What makes Howe so much better? This goes back to what I was saying to Lawrence earlier. Limited success and one failed move away from Bournemouth. Why would there be more excitement for Howe over Ange? Is this all about perception, Lawrence Conley? Yeah, no, I think content's good. Great point. I mean, how is the EPL magic stardust, isn't it? It's all marketing down there. It's but really, what, what's he achieved? It could his achievements stack up against Poster Coglu? Who's one thing? At the end of the day, you, you know, you, you want a manager that's going to deliver trophies. Um, yeah, how's never faced this kind of pressure? He went away to Berlin. People say, ah, oh, but. He, stuff going on in his personal life and that well what happens if his stuff going on in his personal life when he gets to Glasgow does that mean he wouldn't be able to handle it then you know your personal life doesn't stop for your job it's kind of especially when you're in Celtic so yeah listen I'm not I, I don't seem as riskier than how uh, with how I think the club is going to definitely back him but it's a fairly risky strategy for the club if they are pushing the boat out and everything with nothing in reserve so I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see a wee bit more sense in putting people we bring in rather than uh, just mining the EPL market mm. you know there's been a few EPL players that have come up that just let's be honest totally have a cut up, cut up here remember that Lundberg when they come up you know, like, 
no guys that are going to be superstars up here. I think John Joe Kenny, you know, just in recent times has come up and he's completely flattered to deceive when you look at his performances Lawrence and uh, the fact that you know we sell a player and I know we didn't get the full amount because of the sell-on for 11.5 million quid and Jeremy Frimpong you replace him with a loan a loan e from Everton and you know I didn't think he, he set the hell of a light nowhere near it in actual fact so even in the near, dist- the, the near distance there Lawrence you've got a player who came up from that level and it didn't look great to me. No, he, he didn't really do it. I mean, there was another boy from Everton, uh, Barton, totally failed in Glasgow as well, didn't he? So you, you're looking <laughs> at, it, at it and go, the EPL doesn't guarantee success. You know, it'll guarantee a headline. You know, and the, the fact that you pay big wages. Yeah. Outside of that Welsh guarantee, and you know, we, we, people commentated how much stuff he was on. Does it cost unrest within the squad when you are... Uh, you know, with people coming and they're getting so much more than their team members because we bought them on loan from the EPL. And I, I, I don't know, mate. It's, but the EPL, I don't think that it's all it's cracked up to me. There's a lot of poor games and poor players down there. On you know, big, I, big wages, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we've shown we can develop you know, a number of players that go down there and do well. You win Yama, Van Dyke, Armstrong, Tierney. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've shown we can develop players Foster. that do well at that level. Yeah. yeah, one of my big concerns as well. This has been I, I, first thing this morning when I seen the, the announcement. Um, the first thing I heard from a pundit was that this was a punt. Um, I'd rather call it left field. Now, the last time we had a left field kind of manager, it was Ronnie Dyler, Declan, and Ronnie yeah. obviously won two in a row. He won a double, very close to winning a treble. We know how that went, Lawrence. We won't uh, labour the fact, but we know how that went. But what I would say is that yeah, a lot of people say, well, you know, it worked. But it necessitated the big investment that we had to make in Brendan Rodgers. So I'm looking at this situation at the moment, another left field one. Um, you know, is it really boxing clever to bring someone in when possibly we're going to have to really throw everything on the kitchen sink at it if it doesn't work out? What players did it, did it uh, develop? What youth players did we get out of Delia? And what other managers is it, you know, McGregor, Tierney? Massive, managers, massive you know, impact. Giving, yeah, you know, massive impact. So you're looking at Rogers, Lenny, have they given us players from our youths the same level? I, I think Rogers. I think Rogers helped in that development, uh, Lawrence, but I've given Ronnie Dyla loads of credit for introducing guys like you mentioned there. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, he had a massive part to play in Chris Ayer who yep. may be leaving the building this, this summer. But it was that left-field uh, appointment, which, by the way, at that time, I think we were in a position to do that quite comfortably. Yeah. Um, and again, that's another thing I'm a bit concerned about. But it necessitated a huge investment in bringing in Brendan Rodgers from that, that uh, environment that we've been talking about, Lawrence. If you bring someone out of that environment, it costs you a hell of a lot of money. Totally. But you know, what's your criteria for appointing a manager? What, you know, you know, what will we measure the candidates against? Ability to, to develop youth was surely one of the things we wanted to measure them against. What have they won in the past? What's the style of football? Do you think one of the criteria has to have managed in the EPL should even be on there? No. Or has to manage in a, a top five league? So if that doesn't need to be on there as a criteria, why should it be seen as left field if he's... I, I wouldn't say the EPL. I wouldn't say the EPL. EPL, right. But, but I would expect... You know anything out with the the top leagues in Europe to be looked at uh, with a little bit of cynicism, and I think that's what we're seeing here. And as I say to to the Perius, I think I probably suffered from a wee bit of that snobbery myself. Um, we're not convinced are we with the the environments that he's been successful in. Although you know you could argue that at international level he has proved that he is uh, a coach who can come and adapt and and come to Scotland and adapt. But you know this is a completely different ball game when you come to to Glasgow, Declan. I mean, do you have any concerns in terms of the the environment? Wallowing up someone like Ange Postecoglou has done it with so many other people in the past. Yeah, I think on the point with Ronnie Paul, um, you know, successful for for one season to an extent. You know, we won a double again. You touched on cheated out a treble in that semi final, and uh, you know, again, players like Jason Denier, John Gidetti, We had decent signings that season. We were a decent enough team. Probably could have put into Milan out the Europa League. Um, we missed out in the Champions League. Um, and again, you know, we all know what's happened in there, well documented for 
uh, of the first team players undermining the manager. Uh, again, you know, maybe in Ronnie's character compared to Ange, would have dealt with that a lot differently. And if you even look at the signings that started to trickle in, in that second season under Ronnie Delia, you know, Colin Kazim Richards, Calton Cole, um, a few others, not to mention. So, uh, say the Yanko was another one uh, that came in. Tyler Blackett. Uh, so, you know, in terms of the whole environment that Ronnie was in, I think that we all look back in Ronnie Dyla and look at what he was trying to do in terms of trying to probably do what Dominic McKay was talking about in terms of modernisation of the club, in terms of new ways to think about football, uh, ways to progress the club. So I think it just depends, again, in the environment that Ange Postecoglou comes into. You know, he's probably quite a blank slate in terms of a core of players there so he'll be building a first team it won't be as much a, a carry on as what probably Ronnie had to do and changing attitudes like Anthony Stokes Charlie Mulgrew whoever um, so I think that the, the atmosphere is different but uh, I, I think you know Ronnie at a different time might have worked out in a different way so it's just a case of as I said I'm intrigued by what it what could happen under Ange Postecoglou. That, that's an interesting point, though, Declan. Uh, and he spoke about it, didn't he? Ronnie Dyla spoke about the culture mm. at the club. And he, I don't think he was able to change the culture. And that may um, have been one of the reasons why he was able to um, engage with and develop and tap into the younger players. But the kind of older pros were against his methods. Um, it's a wee bit different this time round, though, Lawrence, is it not? Because it would appear that some of the players weren't, re- weren't reacting to the, the previous manager's uh, philosophies or approaches and we've got a, a new manager coming in is this going to breathe new life into some of the guys that were underperforming let's hope so you know any change means you normally get some kind of positive result even in the short term but let's hope it's long term but Declan touched on an interesting thing some of the, the signings that kind of crept in in the second season under Delia we could say mm-hmm. the same about Rogers, but then again we've got to wonder who was making the signings yeah and we know structure at the club that was a big problem Managers, even Strachan talked about, didn't know who my coat was. Rogers, famously, on Shred, you know, it's like we don't need another winger. It's that's something that really needs sorted. You know, there's no point point a new manager if we keep making the same mistakes and let someone else do the signings from who knows where. Wait until after qualifications over before making the investment in the team. If we if we go down that route again, you know, it's not fair. For them post the call, and I don't think that anyone within the sport wants us to see us keep repeating the same mistakes season after season, which is one of the you know the most frustrating things, especially when it comes to signing players for Europe. Yes, we wait until after qualifiers, and everybody in the sport's going sign them now, sign them before the qualifiers, sign them in January. Us, well, well, you know, give us the best chance. Well, you know, let's use them in that game where we can get the best return from them, but. You know, we'll, we'll wait and see. Hopefully, that's one of the things that's been reviewed. Mm-hmm. See, when you, uh, we, we go back to maybe October time, Declan, and there was a lot of talk on a Celtic state of mind around the change at the club, and we needed the change from top to bottom. We're starting to see the changes filtering in. So we've had obviously Dominic Mackay is in the building doesn't go live until the 1st of July but he's clearly been involved um, in this appointment we've got a new manager coming in I guess that some people might be looking at the comments and saying well you asked for it now that you've got it you can't complain because you've asked for Peter Lowell to to be removed you've asked for Neil Lennon to be removed uh, yet you're still not happy with with the appointments I don't think it's that we're unhappy uh, with the appointment it's just that you know this season of all seasons I mean last season was big but in terms of Financials going into the next season. This is massive for Celtic. Does it concern you, Declan, that we still don't have a director of football? We don't have um, the heady recruitment. There are other areas of the, the football club that need replacements. Uh, we don't even, at the moment, have a recognised captain. People might think it's going to be Callum McGregor. That we'll need to wait and see. Um, because I look at the the cohesion, I guess, between a director of football and the manager of the football team and I think that's important uh, would you expect that to be the next move for the club? Well you know in that statement that came out this morning there was no mention of it again when we've spoken about that um, it's Postecoglou's title was manager and if you were going to that structure they'd likely have been head coach so and also if you were bringing in a director of football you'd have expected him to have a 
um, a recommendation and whoever got the job ahead coach. So it almost looks as if that whole idea has been scrapped. Mm. Um, you know, and Fergal Harkin and whatnot have been well documented. So I think there is a concern and there's also a concern of um, the backroom team. Um, we know that John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan are still within the building. Um, and whether they'll retain their positions as assistant manager and first team coach is something that we'll still need to see uh, looking forward. But yeah, I think that is a concern, Paul, that at this point in time, although Postacog was obviously in the door and Dominic McKay, as you say, there's still a lot of uh, bits of the jigsaw puzzle missing going forward. So the sooner that gets sorted out, the better. Lawrence, it's a great point that Declan makes. Um, he has been appointed certainly as the manager. The club were also at pains to stress that uh, Eddie Howe was selecting the director of football. That was all part of the backroom team that he was assembling to come into Celtic Park. And I appreciate there's a few comments coming in saying forget about how well it kind of bleeds into the Postacoglu appointment. So, you know, we will be talking about, I'm not crying into my pillow that we didn't get him or anything like that, but the situation with how was he was going to be instrumental in bringing in a director of football. We then appoint a manager with no mention of a director of football. Do you see a change in direction? Do you think the club are moving elsewhere? Listen, it could be, I'm not too fast whether we call manager or head coach as long as there's a director of football. And the point that we were saying like low learning needs to be removed, I think it was more, the club needs to be modernised and we need to get the correct structure in place. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we thought Peter Law was interfering too much in the football side of stuff. So that was part of the reason the changes need to be made. So if we don't get this correct structure in place and it follows the same mistakes, if Mackay then says, well, look, this is what Peter used to do. He used to get involved with uh, the transfers. He used to sign players for managers. Maybe I'll just do that. I don't think that's what anyone wants to see. So I think we're definitely going to get, kind of get the roles and structures defined. And you know, and if that was the, the optimum structure for the football club, why is it not the optimum structure if I was not coming? If that's the best structure you can have, surely it's yeah. the best structure. You know, it, and I get that the club's maybe a bit behind because we miss Fergal Harkin about. And to be honest, you know, if it, well, I can un- completely understand why he said, listen, do one. He's were hanging out for, for having his director of football and I'm a, they kept me stringing along. He was rumoured for six or seven months. Mm. So I could see how that would knock his right back in recruiting someone for that position. But I think it's a position that we, we need to look to fill. Head of recruitment's another one. You know, as much as Ange has watched the European football, and he knows obviously that the markets in Australasia and Asia, do you think we'd be bringing in a head of recruitment to, to manage the whole thing? I know there's been rumours of McGuinness coming back to do that. He's been successful in MLS. So we'll wait and see what the club's at. Looks like we might have lost... Uh... Lawrence, oh you're back Lawrence, you're back I'll have a wee chat with Declan just while your connection catches up with us now with regards to the restructure that Lawrence speaks about Declan, that takes into account obviously the youth setup and development, the sports science part of the football club, the recruitment which is massive do you think that that should also include a shake up in the boardroom? Yeah, um, I think, you know, in terms of some of the guys that have been in there, they've probably overstayed their welcome. Um, it's not good for it to become a, a kind of cosy suits club, which has it been for probably out with Chris McKay and um, uh, Sharon Brown in terms of the, the longevity that they've been there. Majority of the other guys have been there for a long, long time. So, you know, I think you do need that freshness in the boardroom. Um, obviously, we know that Peter Lobel is going to be departing. Um, Dermot Desmond's a majority shareholder so I wouldn't imagine he'll be going anywhere anytime soon but other guys Brian Wilson, Tom Allison um, they've been there for a very long time and whether or not they would consider um, that it's time to move on is another question but likely not um, because it's a very cosy position that they're in but uh, yeah I think that that probably does need to come in terms of moving forward in terms of modernisation you can't expect the same people who have been there and did the old ways to do the new ways. Mm-hmm. So I think as time gradually goes on, um, it's something that probably, you know, wouldn't be Dominic McKay going about saying you're sacked, but um, 
yeah, I think that's something that probably does eventually need to come. It's a great point, Declan, because yes, modernisation, that's one of the buzzwords, Lawrence. So we're talking about modernising the, the, the football side of things. Yet, can you modernise it when Gavin Strachan and John Kennedy, who were part of the failure of last season, are still part of it? Can you modernise a football club when the board remains the same? Uh, now, I think what's happened for, for many, many years is you had someone in Peter Lowell who was an absolute Goliath in the boardroom, wasn't he? I mean, the influence that he had at Celtic um, in Scottish football and further afield was huge. We can't underestimate that. Of, of course, it was massive. Uh, and it seems to me as though almost he's kind of carried some of the others along with him. Dominic Mackay's coming into that environment and you would hope that there was enough uh, creativity and enough strong characters within that boardroom. And if not, then surely we do need to, to shake it up. And, and some of these people who have got a wee bit too cosy and aren't contributing a, a massive amount to Celtic Football Club should be replaced as well. Yeah, but I mean, definitely. I mean, Peter's influence was huge. I mean, even even extended to other universes where we used to get bits for players from. But, uh, we've got to look at the, the current board and go, what value are they adding here? Yeah. Are they still adding value as board members? Mm. If they're not adding value, what are they doing? And I, I think you need to go right through that board and go, well, what value are you adding? For me, it's hard to see, you know, but I think a lot of them, you, you know, you could have the board and, and not miss them. It's... Well, there was a lot, and this is all joking aside, there was a lot of people asking who's that when they were appearing on the, the big banners that say Celtic Park. Centralisation, a power basically between what was probably Peter Lowell and Dermot Desmond when everybody else just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, as Lawrence said there, how big an influence do they have in decision making? From what we probably know, and as you say, Paul, in terms of um, the notoriety, hardly anybody knows a lot of the people in the boardroom, so... No, you're right. There's rumours of Ross Desmond coming on board. We'll, we'll wait and see if that, that happens. You know, that was part, I think it was Christmas time or something. It was rumoured that Dermot son was going to join. It'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see if that happens, but it's definitely something that needs looked at. You know, what function are they serving and adding value? And I, I think I've touched on it from the banners with uh, the guy, some, you know, most people didn't know them, but you go, what function do you want a board to serve? We want them to bring fresh ideas. We want them to hold the CEO accountable. But were these guys doing that? I doubt it. I doubt it. And I think a freshen up is required. Good point coming in from Facebook. Gus Hiddink was reported to be ahead of Martin O'Neill for the boss and the boss's job 20 years ago. If Ange is second best and he does half as well as O'Neill, then he will do just fine. And gets my full backing now. Let's move on from how. Gets my full backing as well. I mean, yep. you know, that that's what you do as a Celtic supporter. But you can discuss any concerns that you might have moving forward. And one of the biggest concerns as well, we've been talking a bit about Peter Lobel and some of the names that are cropping up, you know, from Harkin to some of the players that came in under Ronnie Dyla um, and Postacoglu himself, they're all centering on uh, the City group and uh, obviously uh, the connections that we had between Peter Lowell and that group are, are widely recognised. Is that something, Declan, that you think you, you look at the benefits of that, look at some of the players we've had from that kind of, you know, marrying up with Man City, for example. We've, we've done pretty well out of it, haven't we? Um, is that, have we had one eye on that when we're bringing in Postacoglu, obviously coming from a club who are part owned by the City group? Yeah, I, I imagine that would have played into it. You know, it's been well documented. Jason Denier, Dedrick Boyata, Paddy Roberts, John Guidetti, Jeremy Frimpong, Olivier and Cham, mm. to name but a few. And there were other Oz, Daniel Arzani. Um have all worked out pretty much at Celtic. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's they're one of the, the riches of the world football. They've got a, an amazing academy system. Phil Foden's a product of that. And look at how good a player he is. Um, you know, they've got arguably the best coach in the world in Pep Guardiola at this point in time. So, you know, in terms of football clubs that you could probably look for um, a bit of direction on, there's probably one of, but Again, it's a concern that you're just trying um, the, the same old way and hoping that you get the same results, whereas that doesn't always work out. So as a concern that that may have been uh, playing into it, but you know, I hope that Ange Postecoglou's got the Celtic job, not just in the merit that he's part um, of, a, of a club owned by the City Group, but because he's got the right managerial um, standards to come to, to Celtic. 
He's got the right credentials. Has it ever been a concern for yourself, Lawrence, when you hear some of the names mentioned by Declan there? We've done okay out of that link-up, if there is an, indeed a tie-up there. Well, my concern is obviously you've had David Lohan, who says you know, Celtic are you know, vulnerable to a takeover. What if Dermot Desmond sold his shares to the City Group? What if this is part of Dermot's exit strategy? That would be a bigger concern to me. If that's the way the City Group are looking at getting a manager in, we're looking maybe buying another club. That's what would really worry me. The tie-up with a successful football club that's worked out well in the past for us, well, I'm not going to be over-concerned about that. But if it's the only thing we're going to try, <laughs> I would be concerned. But it's, you know, it's something, you know, I wouldn't throw the baby out of the bathwater. It's something that I like to think we can make best use of, whether that's, you know, getting players in and loan again or buying some of their, their youth pro- prospects again at Frimpong. You know, We've got to make quite a few million quid in that. And, yeah, so it, it, it's definitely something that it, it, it's worth keeping keeping going. But my main worry is, uh, would the City Group look at buying them at shares? Well, Declan, it is something that, um, you know, as a club, Celtic have been hit uh, incredibly on a financial level. And yesterday, Brian was talking about the uh, drop in asset value of a number of our players. So one that Lawrence just mentioned there, Olivia and Cham. We've heard about, you know, the interest from the likes of Porto, um, figures of £8 million being spoken about a year ago. There's been interest a year prior to that in, in Cham as well. There's been interest from AC Milan and Ayer. Um, the fees that we're going to be getting this summer are going to be completely different for a number of reasons. Uh, obviously, they've not been performing, but due to the, the COVID issue and the financial impact of that, we're looking at next season. We're looking at the potential for a Scottish club to qualify for the Champions League group stages without the qualifiers. And I was talking about a 40 to £60 million pound swing in the direction of Ibrox Way if indeed we fail um, to hit the ground running and get results immediately. When you look at that, combined with the amount of uh, drop in asset value of a number of players, be that Ryan Christie, uh, Chris Ayer, Odson Edward, Olivia and Cham and others. Um, is this Celtic looking at a, a downsizing, a period of downsizing? Is this part of that? Yeah, I, I actually think it, it was always probably in the plan that post 10, win or lose, there was always going to be a downsizing of the club. Um, I think in terms of the, the playing squad, it probably come to its end of its cycle and did a refresh. And we, we hold, held on to players that, um, you know, it's been made very clear that didn't want to be at the football club in the hope, you know, from Chris Ayer's quote, um, stay for 10 to try and win 10 and then we'll let you go. So I think that cycle of players that came to an end, um, it's for me, Paul. It's about how much we bring in for those guys and how well we reinvest it back into the squad. It's all very well as saying possibly, you know, fifteen, eighteen million pounds for Odds and Edward, but it's what we do with that money after we get it. Do we go and spend it in a five million Albinagetti, and it doesn't work out? This is so far. Don't know what could happen next season with him, or do we go and you know get a steal as a player? Um, who comes and does the business for us so it's about how we reinvest it but yeah I think there probably will be an element of downsizing but the only positive that I would say on that is the fact that we were looking to give Eddie Howe a blank canvas in terms of money needs to be something that we need to look at for Ange Postacoglu in terms of that phrase I used earlier the golden ticket and it's something that might appeal to players to come and play for Celtic win the league this year and you're into the Champions League and you get to dine at the, the table with the big boys. So, um, yeah, I think there's a there's a pull with Celtic this season and it's how we reinvest the money that we bring in back into the squad. Well, th- absolutely. And you mentioned a name there that we didn't bring up earlier, Lawrence, when we're talking about bringing players out of the EPL and them not really showing anything. And I think another one of them uh, over the piece has been Albiana Yeti. We went into the campaign of trying to win 10 in a row and we know what the investment was at that stage and uh, you know as a club and as the podcast and everything else we were lording it over all these signings coming in how do you see that transpiring this pre-season what kind of level of investment are you expecting in the playing squad listen recruitment is key to anything we've got to get the right people in and perhaps the people you know Peter and people have done it previously have looked back at last season and go what did we do wrong what did we do differently from the previous seasons when we've won the league or well, we held on to players by their sell-by date or passed when they wanted to leave 
we pushed the ball out in big money EPLs that we haven't really done before. So we, we, we definitely changed our strategy completely in terms of how we manage our assets and what kind, what kind of level of spending we were doing. We went kind of thinking EPL, we'll spend the money there, that guarantee success. So maybe Peter's looking and going, that was a huge mistake. I think we all would say that recruitment didn't work out well for us. Hanging on to players, changing our, the way we managed our assets didn't work out well for us. Perhaps, you know, as much as Lenny was saying, the fans were blinded by the 10 and the obsession for the 10. Not any more so than the board and the management team were in, in respect to how they recruited and how they managed the assets. So I would think going forward this season, it's kind of a back to basics of the way we previously used to do things. Start looking, where's the next Van Dyke, the next Wanyama? Where can we pick up the next Fraser Foster? Rather than trying to buy, because we thought, I'll be in a yet five million Swiss internationals. He's going to be the finished article for us. And perhaps that change didn't work for us. The same way Brian Best, by, the, best by the window, Lawrence is an SPFL player, David Yes. Tumble. Yeah, by yeah, some distance. Totally. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So I, I think we need to go back to kind of own, right, we changed it for the 10. You know, the board, the management, whoever was running recruitment, definitely changed the way they've done things. Mm. And I think they became more short, short term. We need to go back to the way of picking up Van Dyke's deniers. That, I think that's what we need to be looking to do again. On Nakamura's, you never know, we might get another Maka uh, with Angie's. Um, Contacts. Well, the, the thing is, is it a case, Declan, you bring up the David Turnbull uh, point, which is a good, a very, very good point. You look at the Scotland squad uh, and the, the talent, the young talent that's in the Scotland squad playing at the Euros. Some of the names that are coming in in the comments, uh, players who are playing within our own league, who you think, can they make the step up? I've seen Nisbet's name being mentioned, Doig, Campbell of Ferguson, I think, Colin Watt would disagree on that one. Or um, is it more a case of Postacoglu is bringing in a knowledge of other markets? Or do you do what Boise's said a couple of times in the last few weeks, where you've got that nucleus and that core, and you add a bit of the old, um, you know, the magic dust to that, you know, the stardust, and that's your star player coming in from another league. I just get the feeling that Celtic, in terms of their strategy, um, it didn't work last season, and we maybe should be getting back to basics on, in that respect. You know, if you bring in a, a 21-year-old left back from um, you know, a far off land. You know, I don't think it's been working for Celtic for some time. I know that it did back in the days of bringing in Van Dyke. But look at some of the, the, the money that we've wasted. You know, Patrick Klamala, I know we got our money back, but three and a half million quid because he, he was playing in the Polish league. Would we not be better? bringing in someone from a league that we know can actually compete in the league that we're bringing them into? I mean, do you, do you see it as a balance or do you think we're going to get back to basics in that respect? Yeah, I think there needs to be a striking balance. I mean, again, I don't think we're going to go out and buy like an Odson Edward again from from PSG. But, you know, there's certainly decent enough players in the SPFL that we can look towards and bring in. And then again, you know, it's how Ange Postacoglu works the market. You know, as Lauren mentions there, we've got two untapped markets in Australia and Japan that we don't shopping. I think there's a lot of American footballers, again, that play in the Japanese League too. So, again, that gives you another market. Um but it's about, I think, being, as I said earlier, being smart about how we move for deals and really thinking, can this person improve the squad and can we get a tune out of them? Um, because I think if you look just in isolation from the last six months of the season just passed, the two fullback positions, we brought in mega amounts of money for Kieran Taylor and Jeremy Frimpong mm. and didn't replace them with you know anything towards the standards of them. Um, and Greg Taylor, you know, for all the stick that he gets, I know he wasn't a big money deal but you know at times this season I thought it looked a lot better than a, an AC Milan left back and Diego Laxell so you know I think there's decent enough players in the SPFL but it's about I think we need to get recruitment spot on going forward 100% No you're so, right So you go so back to the Turnbull thing just just as an aside he wasn't last season's recruitment strategy he was the season's before recruitment mm. strategy it's just because yeah. of his injury he turned a year to get delivered so as much as he was the best signing, it wasn't based on last season's strategy. That was the and then, best strategy. and then another another half a year to play him after that as well. Was, that, I, yeah, 
Now, Lawrence wasn't with us on his usual day on Tuesday, so he's stepped in to the berth, which has been vacated today by JP Mason. JP is elsewhere. He will be back. And if you're watching, JP, um, I hope you're enjoying yourself. So I've not had the opportunity to talk to Declan or Lawrence. uh, And we've got five minutes left. I've not had the opportunity to talk about the comments around the new breed of Celtic supporter. I've not had an opportunity to talk to the pair of you about Neil Lennon's comments. Now, what I've said about it is that uh, if you look at the nine in a row era and the three managers who were involved in bringing the nine titles to Celtic Park, Ronnie Dyla has only said good things about the Celtic support. Brendan Rodgers has only said good things about the Celtic support. Um, Some Celtic supporters don't say very nice things about him right enough. But for Neil Lennon to come out and say what he did. Lawrence, you were a massive supporter of Neil Lennon. You continue to support him way beyond a lot of the Axom contributors when we were asking for him to be removed from post. How did you feel when you read these comments the other day? Listen, I can't believe he paid a PR company and that was the piece of advice they gave him. Attack some Celtic fans and tell them you've got nothing in common with them. <laughs> you know, you're like, it is like, could it, could it have been any more wrong in these steps that he made? I don't know what he means by new breed. Does he mean some of the abuse that some players got on social media? Do they mean, mean the, the bus getting attacked? He was a bit, it's a bit vague. There's a new breed. Does he talk about age? I'm, I'm not too sure what it means by it. But I think by and large over his association with the club, Lenny said a large amount of backing from from Celtic fans. Uh, it didn't end nicely. And a lot of that was down to do with results. Whether Lenny, you know, should accept and not get his own background staff or not, but I couldn't believe he came away with it. Uh, and even more so that a professional PR company is advising him to say it. it. It just seems so obviously the wrong thing for him to say. If he's ever looking for any kind of reconciliation or to draw a line under the, this season and to kind of move on and get a new job, that's got to have set him backwards, hasn't it? Well, Again, you're right, it's up for interpretation as to what he means by new breed, but I think that part of this new breed are uh, platforms like a Celtic state of mind. I, I feel that he, you know, uh, Neil Lennon and others believe that we have uh, an influence on the, the people who listen in that can then you know, fan the flames, if you like. Um, and when that happens, obviously, uh, people become frustrated, Declan, but when you're looking at... Uh, the situation with Neil Lennon how disappointed were you as a fan and a supporter of Neil Lennon I've got to say Declan as you have been for a long time how disappointed were you uh, with his comments yeah I don't think I think I agree with Lawrence you know probably the, the fans aren't the, the people they should be talking about um, in terms of a new breed of supporter you know probably in terms of my age group that probably come under that um, you know I, I've grown up in a generation where we have probably just known Success and in times of, of turmoil is probably something, um, you know, that some folk don't react to as well as. But you know, I don't think that the Celtic fans should be the the, the target of anything um, of comments to to be said on it. Uh, I thought he made some some decent points throughout the article, but uh, on the new breed of supporter, you know, in terms of you know the relationship with fans, it's probably now gone, unfortunately, which is a, a, a sad thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm not one hundred percent sure what he meant by newbie the supporter. And if it's you know folk my age, yeah, I would say some folk have, you know. But you know, I think everybody has the best intention, especially as fans, to just want to have a successful football club. Over and above anything else, it's all about Celtic. It's you know individuals aren't part of that, Declan, and, and that is why managers and players come and go because you want success for Celtic. Well, see if Sorry, Lawrence. Pod- see if he was in a podcast and fan media. It's always existed. Perhaps not through this me- medium, but you know, you not not the view, the alternative view. There's always been fan New media. New issue fan of, a, a today, by the way. Just give that a wee quick plug. New issue. New issue of what? Today. Alternative views out today. Yep. Ava- available. It's big on the front cover. He is in the front cover, just like magic. Just like magic, and it will be out in all good news agents today. So, um, if you want a good read from uh, some good Celtic writers, be sure to pick one up. Let's end on a positive. Hmm? He doesn't know what a 4X is. <laughs> let's let's end on a positive and speak about the new CEO. Um, I said already, and people may disagree, I felt it was a wee bit harsh that his face appeared on one of the flags, but it was quite clear that 
that uh, the group are working through everybody who is um, part of the highest echelons of Celtic Football Club and he certainly is that um, the new CEO to listen to fans going forward from what we've heard Lawrence he is listening to fans he is listening to supporters he is getting in touch directly not making a big song and dance about it he's getting in touch directly with supporters um, to share his vision how confident are you going forward that this is a new beginning for, for Celtic and it's going to be led by the new CEO listen I, I hope it is he's obviously very skilled in communication his background's in PR you know from what we've heard it's good things just now I thought it came across well in today's video it's what we've been asking for. You, you know, we're not asking for us to run the club, but at least, you know, take our thoughts and points on view and communicate with us. Let us know what's happening. Give us some confidence that you know what you are doing as a board. Communicate the strategy. And I don't just mean what Celtic's goals are. We just want to do better than last year. You know, have some kind of plan that's measurable, whether that's developing players, you know, youths getting minutes on the park, as well as how far we're going to progress in Europe. But, yeah, uh, hopefully, mate. He definitely is. I thought it was a bit of fresh air coming in from his. So let's hope it continues. Let's hope it continues. And that one's for you, Declan. We wouldn't give a 4X for anything else, mate. Thank you very much for Declan McConville and Lawrence Conley for joining me once again um, on the 106th day Celtic gave us Ange Postecoglou. Uh, thanks, everyone, for getting involved on Twitter, YouTube and on Facebook. We'll be back tomorrow at 12.30. Thanks for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.